Stories in the Bible are often layered with meaning. Even historical accounts can come with great symbolism. A story like the one I'm about to read. A message with great meaning for those who have struggled to have children. Also has meaning for those who felt barrenness in other ways of life. Hannah's heart was broken by not receiving what she longed for, what she prayed for. We can relate. Learning of the tragic events in Paris this weekend, laying to rest a 31-year-old man yesterday, news report after news report of gun violence in our nation. We can relate. We've prayed. We pray. Like Hannah, we beg for God to intervene. Hear the word of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival used to provoke her severely to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah came to her and said, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk at Shiloh, Hannah rose and presented herself before the Lord. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made this vow, O Lord of hosts, if only you will look on the misery of your servant and remember me. And not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a male child, then I will set him before you as a Nazarite until the day of his death. He shall drink neither wine nor intoxicants, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying silently, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you make a drunken spectacle of yourself? Put away your wine. But Anna answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman deeply troubled. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation all this time. Then Eli answered, Go in peace. The God of Israel grant the petition you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your sight. Then the woman went to her quarters, ate and drank with her husband, and her countenance was sad no longer. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. Elkanah knew his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. In due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. 
She named him Samuel, for she said, I have asked him of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you ask a family who has experienced miscarriage, they can tell you the frustrating comments that well-intentioned people made during the painful days that followed. You're young. You'll have more opportunities. There's no consolation when you've lost a life you've already begun to love and for whom you had great dreams. If you ask a family that has reached a certain age without having children, whether by choice, by necessity, or by inability, they can account for you the many persons who have asked when they would start having children, or why they haven't had children, or what is wrong with them. Out of necessity, the human race has tended toward procreation. We've made having children normative. But for plenty of people, some by choice, many by circumstance, that has not been their situation. And those around them haven't always been sensitive to that. Even those who are in this situation aren't always sensitive to the need, the hurt, that accompanies it. When Sally and I had our miscarriage, I couldn't quite feel the pain that she felt. Elkanah was another husband who didn't quite get it. We might have predicted that about him. Here's a man who thought it was a good idea to have two wives. Not only that, he thought giving twice the amount to one wife as to the other would somehow work. Where was his life coach? Where was his pastor, his friend, his dog, anybody to give him some advice? We don't know why Elkanah preferred wife Hannah to wife Penina, but that that he did really bothered Penina. You can imagine. She was especially annoyed because she was the one who had provided Elkanah with his children. She thought that worthy of respect. Penina disrespected Hannah's inability to give him children. She taunted Hannah about that. Which could be why Eli preferred Hannah. Maybe he had compassion for Hannah's anguish. If so, he didn't express it very well. I failed in that area too. Sometimes we want so badly to help another feel better that we'll say almost anything in an attempt to get a smile or offer some consolation, even if it turns out that what we say is no consolation at all. It's what motivates those well-intentioned persons when they make comments about the possibility of a future child while the loss of the present one is still so raw. It's what people are hoping to do when they list for a family who wants a child but so far has been incapable of having one all the reasons why having no children is beneficial. Elkanah tried to comfort Hannah, but his words failed. Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? 
Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? No, she could have said. You're not. You're not more to me than one son. Having you in my life does not mean that I have no need for others in my life. My love for you does not erase my desire to love a child. It's not about you, Elkanah. You aren't inadequate, but you're also not a substitute. The relationship is different. The need is different. Hannah held her tongue. She ate with Elkanah, then went to the sanctuary to share with the one who might understand. The one who might hear the plea of her heart. The one who might change her situation. Hannah went to the Lord where she prayed and she wept. Her weeping part of her praying, she prayed to a God whose story she knew. Hannah knew from Sarah's and Rebecca's stories that God has opened wombs before. She knew from the Exodus that God hears the cries of the anguished and comes to the rescue. Hannah is hoping that God will come again, that God will open her womb this time. Her plea is for herself. It's also for her husband. She has no idea that God would answer her prayer in a way that would benefit Israel too. That from her womb would come the prophet. For now, she only knows the pain of her heart and her desperate desire that God will once again intervene. Hannah's prayer goes on and on, year after year. It's not the one-off prayer. Here's what I'd like you to do, but... I'll take care of it myself if you're not up to it, Lord. It's not the prayer of the, here's my request, do with it what you will, variety. Like the widow who persistently pestered the unjust judge until she got justice, Hannah kept banging on God's door. Only she was too exhausted to yell, too spent to jump up and down. She whimpered, whispered. She mouthed her prayer over and over. Give me a son, Lord. Give me a son. Relieve my misery and I'll honor you. This son, if you give give him to me, I'll give him right back to you. He'll be dedicated to your service. Give me a son, Lord, and I'll give you a servant. On and on she prayed, mouthing her prayer, wiping her tears, trying to keep from collapsing. She did this right in the sanctuary, where God and everyone else could see her. To Eli, the priest, it was a spectacle. He thought she was drunk, embarrassing herself, embarrassing her husband, Didn't she know the shame? This is what happens when we look at someone's situation, a situation we don't know or a situation we don't understand or whose behavior is different than what we think we'd do if we were in that situation. What's wrong with her, we wonder? How dare she? Pathetic. Eli went to intervene. 
well-intentioned. He wanted to send her home, help her out, to ease the discomfort of those who were having to witness this spectacle. Maybe some strong language would work. Get her attention. Shake her out of this. Put away your wine, he says. Can't you see it's not helping? Go home and sober up. Get yourself together. Hannah's husband didn't get it. Now her priest didn't either. She had been right to go directly to her Lord. To whisper her desperate pleas to God. I'm not drunk, sir. She says to Eli. I'm not crying because I've had too much to drink. I'm not collapsing because of wine. My heart is broken. I hurt. I fear. I feel incomplete. All I know to do is to cry out to God, and I've done so to the point that it's now just a whisper. Can God hear my whispers? Will God answer the whispered pleas of my heart? I'm tired of the shame. Tired of the disrespect. I'm tired of the lost dreams. Tired of the hurt. That's why I'm in the shape I'm in. I wonder if we could ever listen to the pleas of someone's heart before we assumed the worst of her. I wonder if we could listen to her anguish before we try to solve her problems or distract her from them or minimize them for her. I wonder if we could convey that while we cannot fully know what she's going through, if her heart hurts, then so does ours. If her heart cries out to God, then ours will too. We don't know how well Eli understood Hannah, but at least he finally recognized that her state was born of too much sorrow, not of too much wine. If it was a spectacle, it was only because her anguish overwhelmed her so. Eli gave Hannah the blessing that God would answer her prayer. And God did. And Hannah kept her end of the bargain. Her son Samuel was dedicated to the Lord's service which may sound like a fairy tale ending. If you haven't read what the Lord asked of the prophet Samuel. Even so, Hannah received her son. Her prayer was ultimately answered, which is both encouraging and troubling. The encouraging part is that God answered her prayer. That after all that time, God gave her a son. The troubling part is that not every prayer is answered in the same way. Not every would-be parent gets the child that she longed for. Not every whispered prayer seems to be heard. Sometimes our lost dreams remain lost. Sometimes our tearful petitions remain misunderstood. Sometimes the judgment of others lingers. And all we know to do is to keep whispering. Keep whispering 
to God, whispering to the God to whom Hannah begged for God knows how long. The God to whom she begged, even when she was not getting the response that she wanted. Sometimes all we know how to do is to whisper our deepest desire and our greatest hurt in hopes that God will do something someday. And sometimes the only something that we can perceive that God is doing is hearing our prayers. And when others don't get it, and still others judge us for it, God hearing us may be the most that we can hope for that day. Keep whispering. You are heard.